Ephesians 5, 22 to 24. We'll begin reading from verse 21 through verse 33. This also is God's word. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let me go to our God and ask for his blessings on the reading and also the preaching of his holy word. <clears throat> our Lord God, we thank you, for you are the one who has given us the clarity of your word that your word is truth, that your word is light. And Father, we pray that we would desire to walk in the light, that we would not continue walking in darkness. Father, we acknowledge that your commandments are sure, that they are righteous altogether, that though the world, though Satan uh, argues and attempts to deceive, Father, help us to see how important it is that we keep our eyes focused on you. Father, we thank you that our Lord Jesus is the one who is the Savior, only Savior of the body, of his bride, the church. And because he has saved us by a great deliverance, that we ought to hear him, that we ought to obey him. And Father, we pray even this day that wives would be submissive to their own husbands as to the Lord. And Father, we pray that if any are here who are outside of Christ, we pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would do a mighty work, that you are the one who changes hearts. We pray, Father, that our Lord Jesus would be high and exalted, that your servant would be humbled. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Here I think about some of the Proverbs, such as Proverbs nineteen fourteen: Houses and riches are from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Or he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. All these pro such proverbs describe that a wife, a prudent wife, a good wife, is a gift of God. And here you think about women today. Are you acting as someone who is designed by God to be a gift to your husband? Meaning, you think about gifts, gifts, uh, uh, the COVID and the flu and gonorrhea, those aren't gifts. They're not gifts. Those are, those are bad things. Those are called the gifts that keep on giving. No one wants them. Any of those types of communicable diseases, no one wants them. 
keep them to yourself. But you think about the gift of a prudent wife that is from the Lord. It's not that a man finds, I found her. Eh, On the surface, that might be so. But ultimately, the gift is a gift from God. And you ask yourself here, are, are the women in Christ's church, are they living in such a way? Are they interacting in such a way that they are a gift of God to not only their husband, but also to their family? Here we think about the challenges that our society brings. Whenever the truths are most important, you can be assured that Satan will argue and attempt to deceive as hard as he can in those particular areas. You think about how a person comes to faith, it affects themselves. And then after it affects themselves, it affects those around them. So you think about a pagan society. Ephesus, pagan society, idol worshippers. The Twin Cities in 2023, pagan society, we're living in Babylon. And you think about people being converted, and then it affects how they think, affects how they live, and then it also should affect the relationships that are closest to us. It starts to affect those around us. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is getting to here in Ephesians chapter 5. Here we mentioned some time ago that the Apostle Paul in this book of Ephesians presents the glorious Savior in Jesus Christ and also his bride, the church. And here we we see how in, in the passages about application, about this is how you ought to live, that he actually goes back and he explains further about the theology, and this is where it gets brought up, that, that our Lord Jesus indeed is the bridegroom, and his bride is the church. We have a wrapping up, it seems like, in chapter 5, in this section, and verse 21 of chapter 5 is, uh, is that doorway that opens regarding the submission that is appropriate in the vital relationships of life, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then from verse 22 through chapter 6, verse 9, the Apostle Paul addresses all kinds of relationships, beginning with husbands and wives, then parents and children, then masters and slaves. These are the very relationships that, have the, that, that, that make the fabric of society. And when you think about how important the marital relationship is, it affects the family. And you think about a society, that a society is built on strong families, healthy families. And if there's uh, dysfunction, if there's sin that's hampering the families, then society will be harmed. So we see in this passage, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 24. Out of reverence for Christ, their Savior, Christian wives are commanded to submit to their own husbands in everything. Out of reverence for Christ, their Savior, Christian wives are commanded to submit to their own husbands in everything. We'll look at this in two points. The first, the command for the wife to submit to her husband in verse 22. And then the second point, the theology behind this command in verses 23 and 24. So, the, the first point, the command for the wife to submit to her husband, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Here, we, we have this doorway that's opened by Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Notice that Paul doesn't address husbands first, as one would normally expect. Normally you expect from the top down. Uh, but here, because he's talking about submission, then he's talking to uh, the wives first. And here we think about the relationships that make up the fabric of our society. And perhaps the most essential one would be that of husband and wife. When you have healthy marriages, then you can have healthy families. And where you have healthy families, you have healthy societies. When we think about our society, the crime, the theft, the violence, the dishonesty in society, that this is the result when families are unhealthy. And it's the result when marriages are unhealthy. Here we think about the cultural context. Uh, in, in our modern society, American culture, to us, immediately, it's a shock. This, this teaching of the scriptures, this instruction by the Holy Spirit of wives submitting to husbands, that is a shock. Because we, we hear it in the context of feminism. We hear it in the context of egalitarianism, even within the church, that uh, men or women are exactly the same. There's no distinctions. I, I've heard um, people in the past, people were in my life, uh, the, uh, the liberal Presbyterian church, that raising questions about such things. Uh, you know, in First Timothy, about a woman not teaching and having authority over a man. The simple explanation to me was, back then women were ed weren't educated, now they are educated, so now they're equal. Well, what about the creation order? Man was created first. Adam was created first, and then Eve. And then Adam wasn't deceived. Eve was. No answer. No answer at all to that. Here, we, we think about how, in a different context, first century Greek culture, Ephesus, that the shocker would not be wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The shocker actually would have been for men to love their wives. This passage, it would have been a shocker that, that it's saying, hey, men, we have to love our wives. Here we, we think about the low status that women had in Greek culture. That uh, they, they could not vote. They, they could not participate in the, uh, the meeting of a court. So they couldn't participate in the meeting of a court. They could not be a witness in the court. Uh, they could not be the, the plaintiff in a court. You, you follow where I'm going with this. Uh, that there, there wasn't equality in the sense that, that a man typically was promiscuous in the Greek culture with other men, with women. If a married woman was promiscuous, her husband could actually take her life, murder her with no repercussions. And, and really, that's no different than you think about the slave and free class that a master could take the life as a slave, of his slave almost with no repercussions. So you think about the woman's status was really no different. Here we, we think about how uh, the, the statement here uh, about wives submit to your own husbands, that it, it limits so much of what we ought to understand the duty of a wife is. This is not a general requirement that women in general submit to men in general whether in the society or in the church. I hope you understand that. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands. 
Brothers cannot require sisters to submit to them any more than the other way around. We go back to the verse, chapter 5, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The, the brothers in the family can't tell the sisters, hey, you've got to submit to us. Any more than sisters can say, hey, brothers, you submit to us because of 521. This is why a wife is called to submit to her own husband. Male members in the church cannot require female members in the church to submit to them from this passage. Not acceptable. There's mutual submission in that regard. You have uh, the leadership, right? The elders of the church. That's, that's a different matter. If we think about the many lies that come from Satan and from our society, the challenges are many. You realize that there is great opposition because there is great privilege and blessing that comes with obedience. So here, some of the questions arise. Why be enslaved to these chauvinistic, misogynistic, old-fashioned commandments? So chauvinistic is an attitude of superiority by men. Misogynistic is a, a hate uh, towards women. Old-fashioned commandments. As a modern woman, you ought to be free. This is, this is Satan's lies. We have to be able to respond to it with biblical truth. True freedom is freedom from the bondage to sin. Whoever sins is a slave to sin, Jesus tells us. The commandments did not originate with old-fashioned men. It originated with God. Scripture is God-breathed. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Satan will come and say there is no peace, joy, or happiness in submission. We respond back by saying there is great joy in obeying Jesus Christ our Lord. And he commands humble submission to all his people, specifically here, wives to their own husbands. Oh, how I love your law. They are my meditation all the day. God's commandments are not burdensome. God's commandments actually free us from the bondage to sin and the pitfalls that come with it. Submission, Satan says, is for the weak and inferior. We have to qualify this. Our elder read earlier in 1 Peter chapter 3 about the weaker vessel, that the, the wife is the weaker vessel. And we can think about it in this way. A teacup is weaker than a hammer, okay? Regarding toughness, if you bang them together, the hammer's going to win. But can the hammer hold water? The answer is no, it can't. A teacup can. So is, is the teacup inferior to the hammer? No, it's not. There are different designs. God had designed the woman differently. Have you ever seen instances where a man is attempting to do the job of a woman? It's not, it's not going to work. You can't send a woman, or send, can't send a man to do a woman's job, right? Here, you've got to understand certain instances, right? Calming little children down. It seems like women are much better at that. We see that there was a different design for God. That the woman, you think about Eve, she was designed to be the complement. Complement with an E, not with an I. She wasn't just there to, 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 give, uh, to give praises to the man. She was the complement with an E, meaning that she was the complement to the man in his weaknesses. Here, I, I think back to 
some of the some of the friendships they had back in seminary. There were a few men who were single, and it became very clear to us the mercy of God that the single men were those who were actually quite capable, that they were well more well-rounded than us married men. And that was God's mercy to us, is we, we acknowledge, wow, we have some glaring weaknesses. And how did God fix those? Well, he gave us wives. That's what he did. Here, we think also about inferiority. We have to address that matter. We read earlier Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Here, we address the matter of inferiority. I'm not hearing in that verse about men and women are created in the image of God. There, there's, there's nothing that says, well, man was created in God's image, but woman wasn't. Or even man was created in God's image, and then the woman was created in a lesser version of God's image. I don't read any of that from this passage. There's nothing about inferiority here. You think about the, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Is there equality between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Certainly. But is there submission? Did the, the Son submit to the Father? He did. And, and was, was the Holy Spirit sent by the Father and the Son? He was. So also in the relationship between man and wife, husband and wife, there's not inferiority, there's submission, but there's an equality as well, just as in the Trinity relationship. Here, we think about the lie from saying that Christianity is oppressive towards women. Again, lies work hardest with the greatest truths. The truth of the matter is, when you look in any culture, and you look in any religion, look at the status of women in Hinduism. Look at the status of women in Islam. Look at the status of women in Buddhism. Whatever, whatever the world religion you compare it to, Christianity has by far the highest status for women. And that is precisely why Satan is attacking it, saying, Christian women, you are enslaved and oppressed. Here, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he summarizes something that we ought to understand. He says, the Christian husband's view of womanhood and of woman and of his wife is more exalted than anything the world has ever known. I Meaning you think about there is a certain refreshing quality to Christianity regarding women. They're treated far better. You think about how in other societies, other cultures, would a woman ever, uh, would a wife ever be able to have protection from an abusive husband? Would she ever have protection from an adulterous husband? The answer is no. It's only in Christianity that, that she has equal status as a member in the church, that she has protection. You, you think about some of these churches where they subsume that the woman's membership is subsumed under the man's. Well, well, wait a minute. You're saying we can't talk to your wife? That the elders of the church can't have contact with your wife? What about a situation in which the husband is abusive? Hey, you cannot talk to my wife because she's under my authority. Hey, she's under your authority, but she's 
She's a valid member of the church. We, we don't need to go through you to talk to your wife, especially if there's some harm that you're doing to her. This is protection for the woman. Here, we think about the interpretation of as to the Lord there in verse 22. Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. Now, here, we need to be careful. It's not to the same extent as to Christ. So it doesn't mean that wives should submit to their husbands to the same extent they submit to Christ. Every Christian man, woman, or child, their submission, our submission to Christ is absolute because Christ's rule in our lives is absolute. But the wife's submission to her husband is not absolute. Husbands may never command their wives to sin. And in such an instance, she is not obligated to obey him. In fact, scripture is required that she disobey him. Uh, hopefully with some, some amount of, of, of honor and respect, but she ought to disobey. Very much the same, you see, as Peter and the apostles, when the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish high council, they come to the apostles and they said, hey, we commanded you not to preach in this name anymore. And their simple response, Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than men. So here, as to the Lord, it means that a married woman is to submit to her Lord Jesus. And in doing so, she must also be submitting to her husband. So in order for a married woman to be in submission to the Lord Jesus, it means that she must also be in submission to her husband. Here, you think about some of the common interjections, objections, doubt, and questions. It will come up like this. The woman says, I will submit to my husband when he starts doing, like when he starts acting respectably, when he starts being diligent, and, and, and the list goes on. It's the same flipped around. I'll start loving my wife when she starts acting lovably. And in both of those instances, the situation is, you must be the initiator. You must start submitting. You must start showing respect. You must start loving. Submission is required due to his title, due to his role as a husband, because Jesus commanded it. It's not because he's earned it. Submission is certainly easier when he acts respectably. We can acknowledge that. Here, oftentimes, you hear wives say, I'm willing to submit when I agree with him. But any such requirement does not apply when I disagree. Have you heard this one before? Well, that's not called submission. That's called agreement. And agreement is no prerequisite for submission. And disagreement does not exempt you from submission. This is true, not just in the husband and wife relationship. This is true in all kinds of relationships. Just because we disagree doesn't mean we're, we're free to disobey. Here, the wife can also come back and say, Submit, I will, but honor, I simply will not give. Here, we ought to understand that submission is not merely addressing the matters of outward action or speech, but we're told it's from the heart. There in chapter 5, verse 33, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Respect is something that comes from the heart. It's internal. 
and here we, we acknowledge the, one of the strengths of women is that women who are in terrible relationships can do a lot to show love. They can continue to, to do things to serve the other, but they do it with a manner of disrespect, following the letter of the law. And it's saying that not only should we do those outward actions of love, but it, we ought to do it with respect. Here, there's another exception that comes up. I will submit only because I'm left with no choice. Maybe the woman uh, doesn't have a lot of uh, financial ability, so she can't go off on her own. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's say the husband, and he's not abusive. In an abusive situation, we would say that the first and foremost, we want to get the wife into a... a situation of safety, right? But we're just talking about how she's dissatisfied or unhappy, right? And she says, well, I, when I can earn lots of money, then I will leave him, right? So for the time being, I can't, so, so then I'm left with no choice but to submit. Well, we ought to see things this way. A wife's submission to her own husband is a choice. It, it ought to be voluntary, to obey Christ is a choice that we must make each day. Here we think the end of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Uh, Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Here we're reminded that for Christian wives, they ought not to submit to their husbands because the husband intimidates her. You, you realize that submission will be very different if it's out of fear. That in those situations, the woman ought to submit out of choice. It becomes a very different form of submission. Here we think even about our submission to our Lord Jesus. We obey, uh, we should not obey the Lord Jesus because we fear the consequences. Rather, we should obey the Lord because we love to do so because he loves us, because he has commanded it. The wife can also come back, well, my husband does not deserve my submission. Here we, we think about the, the, uh, the equivalent question for him, uh, do you deserve your husband's sacrificial love? And we ask the deeper question, do you deserve the love, the care, the provision, and the perfect sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ? I haven't met anyone who deserved those things. I myself have not. Here we think about uh, the what-if question. If I submit, then my husband will only take advantage of it. Oh, that's, that's an interesting question to ask. The counterintuitive nature of faith is that the outcomes that we expect don't happen. God is sovereign even over the hearts of men. Here. We need to think about, what has God commanded me? What has God commanded you? We ought to do that in the relationship. As far as what the other person does in response, we trust that God will work in his or her heart and that we are responsible for our duties. God will deal with that person. He will change their heart or they will face the consequences. We will trust God to manage that. Here, we, we think also 
about how we entrust our lives to God. Strangely, when we submit, when we obey the Lord, when we submit to Him, when we submit to the authorities He has put in our lives, strangely, He blesses the lives of those around us. He blesses our life. He grants us joy even in submission, even in difficult submission. And He blesses those around us. If we think about what Jesus did, Jesus entrusted His life to God, 1 Peter 2, 23. Jesus' example, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges justly, or judges righteously. Jesus was, Jesus had entrusted his life to God, and so should you and I. So that's the first point, the command for wives to submit to their own husbands. We have the second point, the theology behind the command. We have that in verses 20. 3 and 24. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Here we have another such example of practical commands, practical instructions given in Ephesians, starting from Ephesians 4. And going through Ephesians 6, we refer to these as the practical, as the imperative sections. But each time these imperatives are given, what we see is that the Apostle Paul keeps on returning to uh, the theory, returning to the theology behind it, and how the foundation of these commandments are on the theology. Here, the husband is, is the head as Christ is the head of his church. The husband, husband is head of his wife as Christ is the head of his church. Here we see it by God's design. That uh, God made all these things and they were all good. And then he made man. And then he said it is not good that man be, man be alone. There in, verse, in Genesis chapter 2, we read earlier in verses 20 to 22, the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was, no, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord, caused, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God took had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Notice here that God didn't make Eve out of the dirt in the same manner that he made Adam. That she was taken from him, whether a rib or a piece of his side. The bottom line is her origins were from Adam, from the man. It wasn't, oh, I will do, God didn't say, I will do the same way I made you. I'll just get the dirt and breathe into the dirt life. And make Eve for you. No, it was from his side. This is the same principle about the headship part. That the woman was taken from the man. You think about arranged marriages. That sure sounds like an arranged marriage, right? Hey, uh, are there? can you make six of them and I could pick from the best one? There wasn't such a situation. God made one. And that was her. Uh, so, so you think about your situation. Uh, whether or not it was... Uh, uh, an online Christian dating site 
or your parents arranged you, or you met her all by yourself? Do we, do we believe that all of these were actually arranged marriages? Arranged by God, at least. I hope we would believe that. Arranged by God. We think about the creation order. 1 Timothy 2.13. The creation order of God. Uh, God created Adam first, and then he created Eve. I think about the, the description about the body regarding the church. Can the body say to the head, I have no need of you? And can the head say to the body, I have no need of you? The answer to both questions is no. To what extent, then, is the submission of a wife to her own husband? We read there in verse 24, Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Because it says everything. Now, we've already qualified the matter of sin, that the wife is not called to submit in sin to her husband when he commands her to sin, but everything meaning in all the various categories. It's not uh, that the wife says, I will only submit to my husband on spiritual matters. Or, you know what? Uh, I will submit to him, but whenever we deal with finances, that's my field. He has no authority there. So here we ought to understand in everything, meaning in all the various categories of life, not just in spiritual matters, not only in the home, not just in finances, not, not just in childbearing. Every category of their lives together. Here, we think about the duty of men. Uh, that, that the man is created as a head doesn't mean there's no communication to the body. That, uh, if anything, a man should be careful to find out what it is that his wife thinks. That it's not, it would be called arbitrary if the man says, hey, I make the decisions, and he seeks no input from his wife. That's called foolishness. Right? She obviously is going to have a better idea of what's going on in the home and in the family. Uh, he should be seeking input from his wife. And more often than not, his decision often will be affirming his wife's suggestion. There's nothing wrong with that. That ought to happen. If he, if he chooses not to go with her advice, there ought to be a, a very, very good reason for it. Something that she hasn't seen. Here, you think about those decisions, a decision of an overruling from a husband ought to be in a situation where he's seeing the weakness of the wife and making a decision that's for her benefit, if anything. Here, we think also about the reality check. This whole matter of submission for wives. It comes down to this. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. It's a matter of faith. The Christian woman is going to butt up to this here. She's going to say, wait a minute. Why am I going to subject myself to another person? She's going to ask the question, even as Christ is head of the church, even as the church submits to Christ, what are you talking about? These people who are, are, are going to be under the Lord Jesus? This should be the question that comes into her mind. This is, this is where all of it's going back to. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Submitting to the Lord, it, it goes back to the question, who is Jesus to you? 
That is the question you have to answer. Who is Jesus to you? This is a gentle reminder that Jesus is the one and only God who saves his people from their sins. He saves you by a great deliverance. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ, he has saved you. He has washed you clean by his blood. Jesus, who died the cursed death of the cross, he owns you. He owns me. He's purchased us by his blood. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And have you committed your life to him? If you have, then this commandment, husbands or wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, should be direct and easy. Oh, of course, I'm submitting myself to Jesus Christ. He's asked of me this. He's commanded me this. I will do it. Here we think about a number of applications that this has. Address first. Women who believe that they are in loveless, dead-end, hopeless marriages. It's a reminder to us that God is the God of all hope. And he has the power to redeem any marriage. Will you take the simple and small steps of obeying our Lord Jesus at his word? Here, the step is this. Submit yourself to your own husband as to the Lord. And trust that he will bless it. That he will bless you. Here it's also a reminder that the wife's submission to her husband. Especially to an unchristian husband. An ungodly husband. Even a cruel husband. It's a testimony to the watching world. That you trust yourself to and you submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a godly witness to the watching world. So perhaps the situation comes up. Loud arguing. And somebody walks out the door. Neighbors hear it. Hey, woman, why do you submit yourself to such a man? Oh, well, it's because my, my Lord Jesus has commanded it. Do you think that the neighbors would witness blessings even in this household? that a woman who submits herself to uh, an ungodly man, that there would be blessings that extend to that household. You know, these are the things that we pray for, the conversion of unbelieving men. But this is part of the powerful witness that uh, a woman wins her husband without a word. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. This is a godly witness to her husband. It's also a godly witness to her children, of children, the, the, the wife, and how the children respond to the father has a lot to do with how the wife responds and deals with the father because she sets the example right to, to the children. Here we, we think about the matter of single women who desire to be married. You ought to be careful who you marry. He must be in the Lord. That's first and foremost. He must be a faithful Christian. And you think about some of the niceties. Uh, don't, don't be overly concerned about his hair. He's going to lose it. Or how he looks in a suit. 
because the styles will change and so will his body shape or how much money he earns or possesses because these things come and go. That money are like birds. They sprout wings and they fly away. The question is, is he respectable? Is he gentle? Is he a loving man who honors the Lord Jesus Christ? Does he willingly serve others? Is he diligent in his work and humble and teachable? These are some of the general questions we should ask. Does he treat and speak to his mother or grandmother with love and affection? How he treats his mother is, is a good, you get a good sense, but how a man treats his mother is how he's going to treat his wife. And all of these things that I mentioned for the single women, you single men ought to be listening up because those, those are your responsibilities. Here, husbands, you think that we're going to talk about this in the weeks to come, but I will address it also here. You don't get off that easily. It's always easier to respect and submit to a man who acts respectably. Are you caring for your wives sacrificially? That this is what the Lord calls us to, that we would be respectable, we would be honorable, that we would love sacrificially. That's a high standard. And you think about, well, the wife isn't lovable. Well, have you, have you tried loving her? Have you tried showing the very sacrifice of Christ to her. You, you think about what affects us. Here we think about also relationships within the church body. That for those who are newly married and younger, some of these challenges haven't been worked out yet. Especially for first generation Christians where they don't have the privilege of seeing the example lived out by their parents. So instructions are given for the mature women that they ought to encourage the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children and following, to pray for them, to give them godly counsel, to trust in the Lord. Here, we think about Christ's perfect example, that he is the one to whom we submit. It's a reminder to us that ultimately our submission is not to men. Our submission is to God, and it's manifested in our submission to men. May we... Pray for healthy and strong marriages within the church that we might be godly witnesses to those around us. May we go to our God together in prayer. Our Lord God, we